0: Welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. I'm your host, Tim Barron, and this is a show where we examine the latest trends in digital marketing and explain how they can help you get more leads and clients. In today's episode, I chat with Yolanda Cartucciello, Richard Pinto, and Bob Robertson about law firm directory submissions best practices. Or I should say more accurately, I mostly get out of the way and let these three titans of industry drop some knowledge on us. But before we jump into the episode, I do want to ask a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and for your firm? If so, please go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for a free digital audit. This audit will provide you with all of the information you need to build a blueprint to produce the results you want. Ah, A quick introduction before I turn it over to Yolanda, Richard and Bob. Yolanda is a business development and marketing consultant to law firms with over 20 years of experience in the legal industry. And for the past decade, Richard Pinto has been helping law firms bridge their marketing communications effort with their business development activities. Uh, with directories and awards marketing at the core. And finally, Bob's career has touched on nearly every aspect of business development and marketing for almost every size of firm and practice area. Now, that's just a brief introduction. If you want more info, you can go to uh, goodtobesocial.com and you'll find more in the show notes there, including... How to get in touch with each of them. Hey, Yolanda, Bob, Richard, welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. We are honored to have you here today.
1: Thank you so much. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Sure thing. All right. Today we'll talk about direct resubmissions and we'll answer some of the most pressing issues marketers face. And in particular, we know it's chamber season. So go ahead, take it away, folks.
2: Well, thank you very much, Tim. I really appreciate you hosting this. And uh, um, uh, Bob and Yolanda, hello. Good to see you guys again. Um, as you know, we were talking one day about directories and you know, lots of the tips and the tricks about it. But um, w- you know, what we came to realize was that this, whereas we get a lot of the how-to, we haven't really had any of the insider's view from inside the law firms and what we face are actual issues that we deal with. And, um, you know, for instance, and I would kick this off by saying, the biggest question is do you need to do directories? And I would say, um, in my experience, you must do it. And I'll I'll give you three reasons why, and let me know if you agree with these. Um, I think, first of all, there's a third-party affirmation. You know, you've got an independent and objective look at your practice and your lawyers and compare them to to your peers, and I think that's very helpful. I think there is an internal practice review as you're putting everything together and it helps you see whether or not you're hitting your benchmarks um, and I think most importantly is the client contact opportunities uh, because you're re- sending in a list of client referees and the best practice for that is to reach out to those referees before you put them in it's a great time for your partners to keep in touch with their best clients um, what do you guys think about that
1: well, I certainly agree with all of that. Um, I would add one more benefit to that list, which is related to the practice review benefit, which is that it's an information hygiene exercise. You know, you've got um, some firms that have very robust information and tracking systems. Um, and I'm always proud of, you know, working at firms where we try to build those. But the truth of the matter is that You rely on lawyers to give you updates to the status of matters. And this is a forcing mechanism. And so the, um, just the sheer ability to audit the information that you have on the status of the deals and the cases in your firm that this process affords you, frankly, I think is worth its weight in gold. Um, I know that it's not a pleasant experience for lots of people because truthfully, if you only go to the dentist, you know, once a year, and you're not brushing your teeth, you know, likely it's going to be an unpleasant experience. Um, but it does give you the framework through which you can um, organize your information and keep it up to date in a very good and healthy manner.
3: And I would even add a fifth uh, benefit, and this one is somewhat unappreciated by by many, um, but it's the benefit of actually getting some and although not perfect, um, market intelligence, market feedback about where your practices really stand. I think in firms, sometimes we we all suffer from the view of looking at ourselves and believing all that we believe about ourselves. Um, it's, It's sometimes interesting to see where the market sees us, where clients see us, um, and we don't do enough in general uh, market research. And This is sort of, again, as I said before, a very imperfect thing, um, but it provides us some insights. It also provides us insights, for example, let's say in the chamber's context, if we were to you know, acquire um, the confidential report, for instance, sometimes we can glean um, some pieces of market intelligence from that as well. So I think it, also, it can be beneficial from that context as well.
2: Yeah, I think those are actually excellent additions to that. And I, um, Yolanda, to your point about updating information, um, I know one of the biggest frustrations that partners have is you know a matter may have have opened and there was an initial description of what was going on, and then over time, you know the the matter has progressed and then it closes, and meanwhile the information, and and um would make a big point about this not just in the submission, but also within collateral material on the firm's website and in other areas, that information wasn't updated. And I think right. doing this process forces you to make sure that you have latest information. So it shouldn't be a, a reactive process. It really should be proactive. Um, and, and uh, Bob, to your point as, as far as that, I think the benchmarking is uh, an excellent point as well. You know, keeping uh, sorry, keeping track of your peers, but also gleaning that information um, uh, and I would actually turn it on its head a little bit and say, not just getting information, but also giving information. And in educating, we we also learn. Um, and I've seen partners in interviews um, talk about the market, and then afterwards realize, hey, you know, I didn't actually think about that, and and then move on. And and you know, it's a, it's a new avenue that they can pursue. So um, I, I think it's a, it goes a lot further than simply, hey, we're number one, we're ranked number one, or why are we why are we not ranked number one?
1: Um, I mean, I completely agree, and you know, one of the things that we don't spend a lot of time talking about is, because we're so focused on getting the submission in and seeing what the results are, perhaps getting the feedback, is that it is simply like getting on the scale. That's what chambers is. It's like getting on the scale. If you haven't done all of the exercising and all of the careful eating before you get to the scale, you can't get mad at the scale for the number that it reflects back up to you. And one of the things that I think we need to emphasize internally at firms is that there's a whole lot of work to be done before you ever get to the chambers submission. There's a whole lot of, um, raising of the profile. There's a whole lot of making sure that you know, you've know you been targeting and trying to develop business so that you have the deals and the cases that will impress the, the, uh, the chamber's researchers, if you will. Um, and there's also all the work that goes into really preparing the referees. Um, and I don't, I don't mean prepping them by giving them a script, but I think really considering very carefully how you select your referees. So there's a lot of work that comes up to right even before the submission itself?
3: Well, you know, that's an area that's interesting to explore further because um, obviously as part of these submissions, whether it be chambers or others, Legal 500 or others, we submit um, referees. And it's interesting what that process often tells us. Um, you know, I think firms do not spend enough time thinking about who they should be including. There's often this... this um, sort of knee-jerk reaction to include the most uh, highest level people at the organization that we're dealing with, not really recognizing the fact that they, uh, like many of our lawyers, don't really have the bandwidth to um, re- you know, reply to all of these different requests for um, for feedback. Right. Um, right. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and it's also interesting because, um, and this is an anecdotal thing, but it's so often telling. Um, and this again is another benefit, uh, I think, also of the of the submissions process, because it sort of reveals these issues. But it's not the first time in in um, my professional career, not here but in other firms, where um, you know references didn't quite turn out the way we thought they would turn out. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being in a meeting uh, a number of years ago with a um, uh, actually a Chambers editor. And we were talking about that firm, how, why we, we, had, we had slipped from one tier to another. And it was a very revealing conversation because some of these references that we um, really thought were great champions of the firm, it actually provided negative feedback about us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's an interesting, I, the whole process, you know, not only for the you know, benefits firms not only from the perspective of being ranked and using those rankings um, as an affirmation or as a, from a PR benefit, but also reveals other relationship issues if you, if you watch for them, um, and it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting byproduct of it.
1: And, you know, Bob, I have to say, um, you were brave enough to tell that little anecdote. I think that Every CMO that I've spoken to over the years has a similar anecdote. I, don't, I think it should be less um, prevalent, but I don't think that's the case. I think every one of us has been in the situation where there was somebody listed as a reference who did not give necessarily positive feedback um, about the firm and about the individual who listed them. Um, so know thy, know thy references and, and have a sense of, have a better sense of what it is that they enjoyed and did not enjoy about working with you.
2: Yeah, and I think that's right, uh, Yolanda. And I, I w- let me flip that on, on to, uh, the positive spin of that where, um, you know, I, there was a partner that I worked with who the reference said, um, let me remember this correctly, something to the effect of spending an hour with him is worth spending 40 hours with any la- other lawyer. And I think that's a phenomenal testament to this particular partner's abilities. Um, yes, it, you know, maybe it's a, it's a good friend and we don't know what, what it, it, he may have prepped them, I have no idea, but the fact that this client it was willing to go on the record, because they are on the record even though they're anonymous, and to say that about the partner is enormous. And that's a, it's, it may, I know it made the partner feel good. You know, There's a big smile on his face. And he's not somebody that really takes praise pretty well. He kind of shies away from it. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of value to participating in the process. And I would say the the actual ranking is sort of like the cherry on top because what you get out of it is so much more educational than simply a a tier one ranking. Um, That being said, I I wonder, so from your perspectives, um, what would you say were the differences between... Legal, uh, sorry, Chambers, which were right in the middle of the season for Chambers, and Legal 500, which is coming up in a few months. Um, they're, they're very similar, and for a lot of people, they treat them the same way. But as directors, do you look at these publications differently?
1: Well, um, well I, please go ahead.
3: Oh, um, I was going to say that I think that one of the um, clear differences from my perspective um, is the perspective on how they engage with us. Um, the legal 500 folks traditionally have been very proactive about reaching out, um, into, into the marketplace to meet with us and to meet with our lawyers and to gain information about, um, the practices to gain information about our firms in a very kind of personal way. Um, the researchers as well have had, um, and this may be still the case historically had longer tenures. So they had. Um, had built up more information about our practices, and had um, gotten to know us as well for a longer period of time. Um, And so the way they interact with us is different. And Chambers at one time was like that, but at least currently, I I think, doesn't do as much of that, um, perhaps on purpose. Um, But um, So their approach to us is different.
1: And I would also say from the perspective of, uh, from my perspective, a couple of differences that I think are worth noting. Number one, Chambers ranks many more individuals than Legal 500 does. Um, I get the sense that Legal 500 tends to focus more on sort of teams, um, and therefore individual rankings don't matter as much to them. But so I think you have uh, more, um, if you will, sort of more hot white hot lights on Chambers than on Legal 500 for that reason because there are more individuals in Chambers, a lot more, frankly. Um, In Legal 500, I I agree with Bob in that it seems as if the tenure of the researchers is a bit longer. The other thing is Chambers does have the uh, philosophy, it is their philosophy, to rotate their researchers to different practice areas, to different sections of the book on a fairly regular basis. So, it actually could be that their tenures are longer than we realize it 's just they 're moving around to different sections of the book, and so they 're sort of starting all over again and Chambers does that very deliberately um, because they believe that bringing in fresh blood you can get a fresh take on that particular area um, you know, and I leave it to others to decide whether or not that works so what ends up happening with legal five hundred is I have noticed that they tend to have a sense of the practice, perhaps a little bit longer, and they tend to be more focused on what's going on in any particular year. I've noticed, certainly at the firms where I've worked at, the the rankings are more volatile year to year in Legal 500 than they are in chambers, um, because they're really focused on what work occurred this year, it seems to me. And it, just because you were ranked last year does not mean you're going to be ranked as an individual or as a firm this year. Chambers tends, in my view, to be a little bit more um, stable and conservative it, and it tends to be really hard to get on the list, um, but you know there are you know people who never get off the list either, so take that for what you will. I think that gives you some insight into different approaches you take and, how you uh, submit to the books.
3: It's interesting because I, I often reference what I call the chambers lag effect yep. um, that, um, you know, r- the reputation or the ranking of a specific lawyer or firm often, you know, doesn't really get impacted um, until you know several a year or two after um, the market, for example, may um, may recognize them as not being as active. The one particular case I, I comes to mind of a lawyer who uh, was ranked very highly and not as an M M&M and M practitioner um, for a couple of years. After I personally know that he actually fundamentally ceased practicing law. Um, he just lagged on. (laughs) He was still with the firm. He was still a partner at that firm, but he really hadn't been active, but he was still considered highly ranked and justifiably so because he had a great career. But there's this lag effect in Chambers that I've seen not only uh, with lawyers, but with Aussie firms as well.
1: Which actually leads to, you know, a tip I want to give. I want to share with people, which is that if you have lawyers who are very highly ranked in the book, When you're thinking about giving out references for that section of the book, you should seriously think about whether you need to spend, if you will, your references on that person, who is likely to get highly ranked again, or whether you're better off spending those references on some other people who may be either borderline or in a lower tier and could use the boost.
2: Yeah, that's that's actually 100% correct, Yolanda. I mean, um, you only get 20 references, and and even though sometimes we're scrambling to find the the right 20, um, what I've always counseled is, you know, look, pick the one, two, maximum three partners that you want to either get on the list or you want to push up the list and focus on them because the other partners, if you're satisfied with with where they are, then they're almost certainly not going to move from one year to the next. Now, keep in mind, you don't want to neglect it. They still, you need, you still need to show... Mm -hmm. Their work in the uh, in the deals list, you know, they, because when the researcher goes through, I mean, he is going to look at the deals, and if he doesn't see, you know, Richard Pinto this year, and he goes back to last year's submission and says, you know, I didn't see him there either, that's going to start sending off flags for for Chambers. But but in the main, yes, that's right. That's they they do sort of it takes like you know a couple of years to get on, and then it takes a couple years to get off. So there's a there's a little bit of a consistency, um, which may or may not be good. I, I, and I would actually say, if I want to jump back here for a sec and say, like, I don't think we're saying that one is better than the other. I just think that the, the no. process is, is different and uh, slightly different, and, but in a meaningful way.
1: Correct. That's absolutely
2: right. Sorry, yeah, and right. One other thing I did want to say, um, you are correct about the um, Chambers uh, methodology. They do uh, move the researchers around a bit. Um so it's not so much that they, they come and they go, it's more so that they, they were doing MA this year and now they're doing bankruptcy. They were doing US this year and now they're doing Asia. Um but here's something that a lot of people don't know is that in order to become a deputy editor, you have to do that. So all of their deputy editors are actually very well versed in very many areas of law and in very different markets uh, around the world. And If you have, most people don't pay attention to the editor, the deputy editors, but they're the line uh, sergeants that you really want to get to know. Um, It's hard to get to know them in that they're not uh, as visible as the book editors, but they're the ones that are actually backstopping all the work that the researcher does, and they are the reason why things don't skew off too wildly. So they're all listed in chambers, you know, in the the back, uh, not the back section, the, um, the who are we section. Um. So you can find out who it is. The only thing is, and frustratingly, Chambers doesn't let you know what areas they cover, but but they're there.
0: For um, guys, for the law firm marketers who are charged with putting this all together, I mean, you've offered some insight on how to go through the process. Do you have any any uh, special tips for them on how to get the most out of the process of getting their lawyers? Um, into these, into the into chambers, into the process of the directory submissions. For instance, like, like how can they get the best client responses? Any tips?
1: So, the first one I would give is if you can manage to do it, I know it's a challenge, is put your entire referee list together before the submission process begins for the entire book. And the reason I say this is, well, I say it for several reasons. Number one, I know that when I've been at firms and I've demanded that we do this, we do better. We get more clients responding to the questions from Chambers and Legal 500 than we do when we don't do it that way. So that's number one. Number two, you find out if there are conflicts between one practice area and another practice area wanting to list the same person. And indeed, if they do still want to list the same person, you have now ensured that Chambers and Legal 500 or whomever else is going to get that name once and list all the practice areas so if they do reach out to that person, that person gets bothered once during the process. Because that's another reason why clients don't necessarily respond. If they're listed for two or three practices, they, they may respond to the first, they're unlikely to respond after that if they even get, um, if they even get asked after that. So that's number two. Number three, the, re- the other reason why you want to get this all together in the beginning is that frankly, if you know which people are going to be used as referees, it gives you a pretty good sense of which deals and cases you're likely to have to promote during the um, actual written submissions. And fourth and final, it gives you plenty of time to properly ask your referees whether or not they're willing to do it. Um, I'm appalled by the number of firms where I speak with them, and they just sort of look at me with blank stares when I say, well, did your referees say they would respond? And they hadn't asked them. And I think just out of sheer good manners, if nothing else, um, you must ask. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah you know yeah you know, that that's it's uh, I, I'm amazed you have actually read my book uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, I will I will say that that's 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 100% correct your last point is actually really good at, and sorry your, your second last point um is you know you're going to find the references and that's going to point you towards the deals that you want to use that you, you're probably going to use and that's probably maybe a little bit easier to for uh for practices to to compile um but that goes towards something that's important for all these recognition submissions, whether they are directories or awards. They need to be as tight as possible. So your everything that you say as far back as the, uh, the the practice overview, that should be reflecting the deals you're doing these past 12 to 18 months. And the references that you're highlighting should be ones that are Current you know now they don't have to be and and your references don't actually even, even need to be uh, Clients they just need to be people that know your work and can speak Intelligently about what you've done and that's almost always going to be your client references, but um, But if you keep that circle nice and tight You're gonna get your well. No, let me check backtrack. You are going to improve the odds That you'll get ranked properly if not better
3: And along the same lines, uh, Richard, the idea of having a point of view and having a tight narrative is also important. Um, In the ideal submission, everything ties back to whatever key points you want to make about the practice, the deals, the references. All of it is tightly, tightly um, related to one another. Um, Because the reality is this. I mean, the researchers, whether they've been there a long time or for a short time, they have a lot to cover, right? And if they can look at the submission as part of the research they're doing and reaching out to the marketplace and the references, and they get a clear sense of what you stand for and why you think you should be ranked the way you feel you should be ranked, um, quickly and at a glance almost, (laughs) um, I know there's a lot to ask, um, (laughs) it works to your favor because they get it. They don't have to go through you know stumbling through these lengthy submissions that go on forever with gazillion deals that are that cover the gamut of the universe. Um, look at it as a marketing document. I know that there's been a de-emphasis em- of the submission with some directories, including Chambers, but it's still a guide for that researcher. And think of it as that. You now, what are the key messages you want to get across, and
2: then tie everything closely to those messages? Yeah, I think. And and uh, Bob, I think to your that to to add to that point, I think people forget, and, and having been on the other side of this, I can speak specifically about this. Researchers are looking at hundreds and hundreds of submissions, right. not just for your practice area, but they're probably also covering another couple of practice areas or covering a couple of other markets. So the easier that you can make it for them to get to the points, the less legalese that you bury them in and you, you know, make very clear, concise points about what you want to say, the easier it is for the, uh, for the researcher to get what you're trying to say.
1: And I think that, you know, it's easy for us all to say this. And then the reality for a lot of people in a lot of firms that I've spoken with, and frankly, sometimes when I've worked with, there is that they're submitting it the night before it's due um, because somebody finally got around to marking up the draft that they sent to them. And somebody remembered this or that, and then there are fourteen emails scrambling around saying, "Oh, can you tell me what was that fact about this or the thing about that?" And can't we have couldn't we list this deal or that case And you know it it happens it happens in that scramble um, and so I think kind of another tip that I'd like to give, and I know people have tried this, but you have to try harder is to lie about the deadlines to the lawyers in your firm. Um, I know that I I realize that may sound facetious, but I'm serious about it because the truth of the matter is that if you don't take a little time to clean it up after the after the frenzy is over, you know if you're submitting something that kind of looks like a C paper, you know what do you expect the chambers of the Legal 500 research to think when they see it? Um, and 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 sort of um, a corollary to that is that I just want to say there are times we have as CMOs, I've done this, I don't know, Bob, you've done it, I've heard of other people doing it, where you call and you ask for an extension because of an extraordinary situation. And the researchers being human beings often will say yes if it's a reasonable, you know, request for a couple of extra days. But I just want to remind everybody, that extension still costs you. Not because the researcher is holding it against you, but because life goes on. They're reading the other stuff they're getting, they're setting up the other interviews, and you are, you know, falling behind, and you are not getting the benefit of being in the research early. So it can, in fact, affect you even if you every, an extension is given to you.
3: Yeah, so Yolanda, this is interesting because I learned this the hard way a number of years ago where um, we had a submission that was particularly difficult for a number of reasons, and a we had asked for a number of extensions, and we um, had got received it, um, but then we didn't do particularly well in the ranking, and um, it came out from the researcher who basically said, "Well, of course, I've given you an extension. It didn't mean that I had time to actually read your submission." <laughs>
2: right? <laughs> yeah, no, no that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, I like how you said, a "Life goes on," and they're going to continue researching again. We go back to this; they're looking at hundreds and hundreds of other. Submissions, so they won't have time for that. And you know, considering that we know exactly when the deadlines are, Chambers USA, the first deadline will always be the first week of June. It, it's gonna, it's gonna be the month after they launch, and they they launch uh, the book in May, and that's always been the case, and that will always be the case. Legal Five Hundred actually publishes their deadlines ahead of the time, so you know, there's no reason for you not to be ready. And if you know that the first week of June. Is when the first chambers uh, submissions are due have it done for May 1st you know, you know it's Thank yes I know there are other things going on but I think if you if you put the directories outside of your other marketing work I think you you, you run the risk of, of, of hurting yourself in that respect because you're making more work for yourself and then that affects all other areas and if you consider that almost all the information that goes into a submission can be repurposed in different areas, there's no reason why you shouldn't not prioritize it, but don't deprioritize it.
3: Well, Richard, let's take another another look at it um, from a different perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. I've actually worked with a practice group once um, who always wanted to know what the deadlines were way in advance. So as part of the practice group discussion we would have, um, they wanted to understand what are the upcoming deadlines for directory submissions, award submissions, whatever. And they a- actually um, were very much on top of that kind of stuff. And they uh, fed stuff. and They wanted to see drafts way in advance. Now That was the ideal practice group in many ways. Right. But Definitely there were did. lessons learned from that. I think that if you push the information out to the lawyers in different, in different contexts, whether that be at a practice group, um, marketing planning meeting, um, you start getting; they start getting to think about these submissions because they themselves don't want to be, you know, have to drop everything at the last minute in order to uh, address a chamber submission or a legal five hundred submission or whatever. Um, and if you, you know, sort of sell the benefit to them, which is not, you know, you know, giving them time to look at things more, um, uh, you know, from a more reflective point of view. Um, you know, sometimes they bite, and sometimes they can be actually very useful, too. Um, and to the other point you made, that this is really, you know, stuff that you're gathering in other contexts all along. If you are sort of creating a submission on the side and just supplementing it on an ongoing basis, I know that's the ideal world for many of us, but that can happen sometimes, um, I think that can be beneficial, too, and that can get a, give you a head start.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, so the, one of the best managers that I've ever worked with, um, BD managers that I've ever worked with, she had, and this is for litigation for a serious firm. Uh, I mean, it's a top tier firm, and they are, they do everything. She had everything organized so that all the information would live somewhere, and she knew where it lived. And if I had to draft a submission, she'd say, "Look at the up book. We just updated that last week." Boom. So not only is the information there it's already been approved by the partners. Right. So her, her, her problem was that she had so many submissions to do, but actually putting them together, it was one of the most efficient processes I'd ever uh, had the pleasure of working with. And she really knew what she was talking about.
1: you know, that's really a, a nice advertisement and endorsement for really good matter management system and process. Um, because we used to do the same thing, and frankly, You know, one of the things we would do is sort of taking a page out of Bob's book is we would work the submissions into conversations every time we had to submit to league tables, which were far more often than a Chambers or a Legal 500 submission. We made sure lawyers had checked off those that they thought could be considered for the Chambers submission as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We got the approved descriptions very early on as as we moved through the process so that when it did come time for putting together the submission, I'm not going to lie to you and say that it was painless, but it was far more organized, and then it was just a matter of really kind of um, polishing, honing, tweaking, getting approvals.
0: Does social media play any role in the submission process?
1: Uh, well, Tim, I think you stumped us. <laughs>
0: No, you didn't stop
2: us. um, It's a a good question. Um, So I think it actually gets, but it it really gets to the heart of why directories shouldn't be a separate entity from your other marketing services, much as some people, some some people really want to do that. They want to kind of shut it away. But you're using your social media platform as a way to raise your firm's profile. And there's lots of uh, activities that go into that, whether it's blogs or Twitter or LinkedIn, you know, you're, all of that should be feeding your knowledge, your understanding of the uh, of the of the practice, of the partners involved, um, and and you should be pushing that information out as you collect information, content that should be pushed out to social media, which in turn raises the profile. So it's sort of a it's cyclical, you know, or not cyclical, it's circular. It it goes around. There's it's not you do one than the other. It's more so you do one because of the other, because of the one, because of the other. You know, so it it goes around and around in the circle. And that's a well a well managed directory submission process uh, really informs other areas.
3: It also informs the market, and um, right. and interestingly, in a strange way, it could have the potential of influencing. Um, the market participants are going to comment on your ranking, especially if I'm there's a flurry of activity yeah. um, prior to the uh, interview season. Uh, to Richard's point, I think that uh, it is it is circular, and one of the ways that social media can play a, a role um, as well is actually in influencing the broader marketplace, uh, especially if um, you know we, you do a campaign prior. To the interview season, because as we know, um, you know, if, if, whatever is top of mind often comes out when people when you are asked a question. So, um, if in fact um, you know we're promoting a practice through social media or through any of our traditional marketing vehicles um, as well, um, it can it can sometimes contribute to sort of a, a raising the profile in the marketplace as a whole, that contributes again positively to the market feedback you receive.
1: And I completely agree with that. And I would just add one tiny point to it, which is that to the extent that you know you're going to be releasing, whether it's actually a very interesting white paper, or frankly, even just highlights of the practice, if you do it around the time that the research for that particular area is going to begin, you may increase your chances that it has that beneficial effect. Um, And I would, I would, like to remind everybody that while the referees are very important to the rankings, um, what other people say, what other people's clients say about your firm is also taken very seriously. So to the extent that your social media campaign can actually be directed at your competitors' clients in some way, shape, or form, you may very well be helping your rankings.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. I hadn't actually thought of it that way. Excellent point,
0: All right, and there you have it. Why uh, directories are still useful and super great insights on how to optimize the submission process. Thank you so much Yolanda and Bob and Richard. This was a really great episode and I'm sure a lot of folks will find, uh, find it super useful. Before you go, if you like this episode, Please subscribe so you don't miss any of our new upcoming episodes. We are on iTunes and SoundCloud, and you'll find the show notes for this episode, including more information on our esteemed guests. Along with this episode's show notes, you'll also find all of the Legal Marketing 2.0 episodes at GetToBeSocial.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.